0: All right, now let's welcome in Chris Cartman, publisher of SunDevilSource.com for 24/7 Sports and CBSI. Chris, how's it going, man? Doing great, man. How are you, Matt? We're doing all right. Doing all right. Uh, late November, and I get to fly down to warm Phoenix, so I'm kind of excited for that. To get out of the cold a little bit. Uh, this is going to be a—it's a big football game for Oregon from a national playoff perspective. Uh, and for Arizona State, it, it's also a game in of itself as well. They're trying to fight for bowl eligibility and we'll certainly get to that down the road. But when, when you reported a couple years ago that Arizona State would be hiring Herb Edwards, I think everyone, myself included, kind of laughed it off. Didn't, didn't really much think of, of much of the hire. He's obviously turned it out to be a much better coach than anyone expected outside of Tempe. Uh, seems like he's gotten the total buy-in from, from that program. As year two starts to wind down now, uh, what's been y- your opinion, the biggest change with this program with Herm Edwards running the ship? And what's that next step that this Sun Devil program needs to take, uh, to continue elevating the program?
1: Well, they've really sold this NFL model pretty aggressively with not just Edwards, but and this year, they added Marvin Lewis as a consultant, uh, Antonio Pierce, former NFL All-Pro linebacker, Kevin Mawai as an analyst, who's a recent Hall of Fame inductee. Uh, and I think that has led to buy-in from players, um, because are you going to say to your coaches that they don't know what they're talking about when they Coached all at the NFL level, and some of whom have played very successfully at the NFL level. I think it sort of enhances um, them in that in that respect from a credibility standpoint. And then also, they do a very good job of uh, balancing being player friendly with also having accountability within their program. And that's been very difficult for a lot of coaches at ASU and probably across the country. You have your your Really aggressive disciplinarian types, and then you have more of the player coaches, quote unquote, and um, and they they tend to struggle with um, in, in one respect or the other. But these right. guys actually balance that out pretty well, and uh, and I think that they're 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 really aggressively trying to sell and promote that with recruiting, and they've had some success. I think this year is a litmus test in some regards with how they finished their recruiting class it's really their first like full year competitively where they've been immersed in it and uh I, I i get the the feeling from talking to them that they feel like they're doing well with some of their top recruits even though uh they've on a recent four game losing streak streak
0: last week up in corvallis i i had no problem with the decision to go for two they, they, they scored and they had an opportunity to go for the win. And on the road, that's kind of when you do it. And what's just been though, the, the fallout and, and just of, of that decision of going for two points and not getting it and obviously not getting the onside kick then. But just what's kind of, what do you make of that decision? What's just been the, the fallout from that?
1: Yeah. I actually didn't like the decision and have been pretty vocal about that opinion. I think when, you're the better team and or the momentum-edge team. Uh, and ASU was, of course, a slight favorite on the road sure. and had all of the momentum in the game. You look at the second half, Oregon State didn't have 100 total yards of offense. Uh, ASU had um, really driven the ball pretty easily uh, on its two drives uh, before that play. And then Oregon State's kicking game is, is pretty weak. Two of seven on the year, field goal attempts, uh, along of 30 yards. I think that the, the better team and or the momentum edge team benefits from a larger sample size, uh, rather than just any one given play that could go wrong. And, uh, then I, I also think that of course it depends in part on the play itself that, that you run and their play required a uh, freshman fullback who really hadn't been practicing at that position all year and a freshman tight end who's still very green and, and figuring his way, uh, required both of those guys to get blocks on a run play, a pitch play, uh, toss sweep that where the ball is really starting from the nine yard line where, where Eno Benjamin, uh, grabbed it. So I didn't really like it and, um, I, you know, Herm Edwards was saying he felt like they should be able to get three yards in that situation. And the way they had moved the ball and he doesn't regret it being on the road, as you said. Um, I'm sure that factored into his decision. And I think they want to really demonstrate that they, uh, that they're not shy or they're not hesitant or they're not, they don't uh, believe in their players. So I think those are some of the things thematically that they were trying to demonstrate. And, uh, and ASU has been very competitive and fought back in, in recent games w- where it's really started poorly. That's been the tendency.
0: Sure. Uh,
1: and, uh, sure. but I, I, I feel like the buy-in is still there and the guys are still kind of invested even though the season has had a disappointing turn.
0: ASU obviously went to a bowl game year one under Herm Edwards and that was an accomplishment of itself. This season, you know, they still can get there. They can still technically have a winning season. They can go seven and five, which would be a good year, probably. Uh, naturally, though, they're five and five and, you know, they lose a, they, they have to start a replace a quarterback. They, they lost their best player, Nikhil Harry. So I think there was going to be a step back, but, or at least an assumed possibility of that happening. Is, is this, though, as the year gone kind of how it was envisioned on paper when the schedule came out and, you knew what the roster was like. Are they behind schedule? Are they ahead of schedule? Or are they right where they should be right now in year two for Herm Edwards? Um, I think
1: that's a difficult question because the the, the five and one start was a little bit deceiving. I don't think they were as good as uh, the record. They had three come from behind wins in the fourth quarter, led by Jane Daniels, and I think that uh, that was maybe you know, tricked some fans into thinking that they were actually a lot better than they really were. Um, but I also would say that they probably, on average, uh, wouldn't have lost the last four games in a row. So I, I think that they're probably, um, before the season, I thought they were probably around a seven-win team. Uh, it looks like right now maybe they'll be a six-win team. You know, if you just kind of go by what the, the most likely outcome is, I would say that that's, you know, it's not overachieving. It may not be even totally achieving to their potential. Um, it's not, it's certainly not dramatically underachieving. If they did lose the next two games, that I think that would be underachieving. Uh, but I think more problematic for them is that some of their, their key players aren't demonstrating clear progress from last year. And that's, um, some guys who are sophomores who are kind of maybe having some slumps, like Shari Crosswell. Berlin Robertson are, are not, uh, they haven't taken a big step forward with their game. And then even some veteran guys, and this is probably the most concerning thing, is that, uh, their quarterbacks who are fourth year juniors, uh, Chase Lucas and Jack Jones, um, they haven't really been playing well. And they've had some veteran offensive players, including senior offensive linemen, who really haven't been playing well. So, Uh, overall, I do think that they're a young team. They have a lot of young talent. I think that they've recruited well to their scheme and they still have, uh, the full buy-in of a lot of their players, all their key players, certainly. And, uh, so I think that they're still in a pretty good place structurally, although they haven't really helped themselves in recent weeks to be able to leverage the success that they had in the first season and a half.
0: Jaden Daniels is likely going to set the ASU passing record for a freshman at ASU this weekend. He just needs 38 yards to pass Rudy Carpenter's, uh, 2,273 that back in 2005. Was this kind of what was expected of him? Maybe a little bit better or, or there, is there, is he not up to expectations as a freshman? It's pretty unique to see a true freshman come in, uh, and, and play really well. Uh, but we're seeing it more and more now the last couple of seasons. Just what, what can you speak of Jaden Daniels and, and his freshman year at, at ASU?
1: Well, I think probably the best way to frame this is I thought just from watching him practice all year before they, they started the season that he was far and away the best freshman quarterback that I'd ever seen at ASU. And, uh, I think I even actually underestimated how good that he is. Uh, wow. we're talking, we're talking about a elite, special, uh, you know, generational type of a player, really, at ASU. Uh, I think he's probably gonna be the best quarterback to ever play at this school. Uh, I think he's gonna be a first round draft pick. I think that he is a, a, a very special, uh, talent. And not just from a physical tool standpoint, but also from a leadership, from a, uh, his approach, I think that he has an X factor late in games already for a freshman, which is extraordinarily rare. He does not put the ball in jeopardy, which is, um, you know, it's, it's very surprising. Uh, he's just, he checks every box really. Uh, and just needs to get bigger, stronger, uh, you know, more become a more physical player to project better to the NFL. I don't think he's going to have a lot of problems doing that over the next couple of years. And, and I just, I've been saying for weeks now, or really for longer than that, that ASU has to do everything in its power to maximize Daniels while he's at ASU in terms of building around him uh, to try to put together one really impressive season by 2021 because he's going to be three years and done.
0: Looking at, the other quarterback position, Ethan Long, I think he's a, he's a true freshman. He's from Westland, Oregon. I also think he's a captain, right? What, what, what can you speak of, of Ethan Long and just where he fits? Cause he plays all over the place, it seems like.
1: Yeah, he's, um, he's really impressed everybody with just his, how cerebral and how, uh, well he relates to everybody on the team and all the coaches and how hard he works. Uh, his, his intangibles are, are pretty incredible. Uh, his family actually moved, uh, to follow him to Tempe and are down here. Uh, he has a rare ability to be able athletically to play quarterback, uh, receiver, fullback, maybe linebacker or safety at some point down the road beyond special teams. Uh, because Joey Yellen has had a shoulder injuries, suffered against USC. Uh, Ethan Lung has basically been the number two quarterback uh, since then, so he would have been in the game last week uh, had Jane Daniels gone down, and I think that's likely to be the case this week again. I don't think he's going to be a, a starting quarterback ever at ASU. That's my guess. But I do think that what he brings uh, broadly to the roster is pretty rare and somebody who will uh have an important role on the team for the duration of his career.
0: Uh, senior wide receiver Brandon Ayuk generates a ton of attention for his 1,500 all-purpose yards, his big playability in the passing game. But how important has Eno you know, Benjamin's production or lack of production been this season? seems like when he has a good day, ASU wins. And if a team can kind of contain him a little bit, it seems like ASU's offense at least struggles to, to effectively move the ball consistently.
1: Yeah, there's a, a few variables that are, you know, taking part in that. Uh, certainly it's you know, defenses are loading the box and, and, uh, you know, freshman quarterback and, and trying to uh, make ASU more one dimensional. And then you have two freshman starters on the offensive line who they're finding their way, I think, in particular, Ladarius Henderson, 17-year-old left tackle, who really shouldn't be starting right now but has been. Uh, as I said earlier, you have some seniors even along their offensive front that haven't been playing as well as would be anticipated. So Eno you know, Benjamin's found himself too often uh, with defensive players in the backfield before he really has a chance to get to where the, the ball, the hole is supposed to be. Uh, he's having to improvise and, and just probably trying to do too much actually, and, uh, you know, last year he was, had a special season, one of the best, you know, ever by a skill player at ASU, set all kinds of rushing records, and this year uh, it hasn't been nearly as good. He's still very impressive, but because he's maybe pushing and trying too hard, there have been some other issues that have crept up, including fumbles. He's lost a fumble in each of the last three games. Uh, the one against uh, Oregon State was right around the goal line, which was particularly costly because ASU was gonna tie it up and, and probably have all the momentum in that fourth quarter. Uh I think he's just kind of maybe trying too hard and, and he's you know, maybe just thinking about it in a in a different way than he has in the past because really he didn't fumble at all as a freshman or a sophomore. I think he didn't lose any fumbles before this season and now all of a sudden he's he's lost three in a row. So but he is really important, Matt, and ASU's tried to throw the ball more to him this year and especially in recent weeks try to you know enhance his capability in different ways make it a little bit easier uh for the offense so that teams can't um narrow narrow in on the things that brandon Ayuk and frank darby do offensively and um i i totally agree with you that benjamin's uh success or lack thereof is really going to be important in this game and um Remaining games in the season for ASU.
0: What's been the difference, you think, for ASU when you touched on it? They opened the year five and one. They were ranked in the top twenty-five. Now they've lost four straight, and they found themselves back at five hundred. Just what's been the difference between those two, those two different stretches?
1: Well, the slow starts, as I said earlier, have been extremely costly. Um, You know, they found themselves down twenty-eight points to uh, UCLA 28-7, to UCLA in the first quarter. Uh, they were torched early by USC. Uh, Slovis completed his first 11 or 12 passes. They had 14 points in a hurry. Uh, Oregon State, they, again, struggled defensively starting the game. They've actually done very well in the second halves of games defensively, and coaches have had a hard time trying to really pin down exactly what it is, is I guess it's partly confidence-related. It seems like the cornerbacks have been slow to get fully up to speed and incorporate themselves and understand kind of what's happening in the games. They've given up a lot of big plays on the perimeter. Uh, I think that Jaden uh, Daniels, while, while excellent as a freshman, probably hasn't started games as quickly as they would like him to be. He tends to be a little bit conservative early, which is probably a factor in that. And, um, and then they've had some discipline problems that have, that have crept up. They are talking about a team that was the least penalized in the Pac 12 in the first six games of the year. And then subsequent to that has had, uh, had three games in a row with eight to 12 penalties, some very costly ones, extended drives for opponents, uh, crippled drives of their own on offense. And when the margin for success is a lot smaller, than it is with some of these more explosive, better overall teams like in Oregon or Utah. You really can't have those things. You can't have the self-inflicted type things that have been really costly to ASU in this last stretch. They did better with that against Oregon State, still not as good as, as they need to be. And so I think in this game on Saturday, they have to start a lot better, especially on defense, and they have to... Avoid any of those penalties that extend drives or uh, ruin their chances to put points on the board by putting them behind the chains.
0: Yeah, let's let's now look to Saturday night and as ASU comes into Saturday night's game, what's just the vibe around this team right now? This fan base is there still a lot of excitement of hey, let's let's get to a bowl game, let's find a way to to win a big game. You know, a a top ten team's coming to town, or you know, like for instance this week, Oregon's linebacker Troy Dye talked about just. The emotion that gets stacked on week after week after loss after loss of going through, he said seven straight losses in, in going into November is just an awful feeling. Where's this team at mentally? Where's this fan base at mentally? What's kind of you? How do you expect the the environment to be like Saturday night?
1: Well, as you would expect, there's fans run the full gamut of um, totally basically checking out and not you know having a total lack of confidence in the coaching staff, the players, etc. and then you have, you know, the people on the other end that realize that ASU still by and large is playing a lot of freshmen and sophomores and is has been competitive in these losses. I mean, we're talking about um, you know, just losing by, you know, a few points or a score in some several of these games. Um, I think the the team seems to be in pretty good spirits overall. It doesn't have the feeling of a spiraling situation, having covered teams in the past at ASU that have definitely had that feeling. Um you know, you go back to the end of the Todd Graham era, really like um, the 2016 season in particular, it certainly felt that way and there have been some other times in the past that ASU's ended on bad losing streaks after strong starts and you got just like a really for- foreboding sense of the way that things were were going, I don't get that sense here. I think the players are in pretty good spirits. I think that they're competing. I think that they like their coaches, and they're they're largely pretty well uh, focused on trying to turn things around. They just haven't been able to be successful in doing so, and it's you know not going to get any easier this week other than like traveling to Utah. This this is their, the toughest game on ASU schedule. Uh, extremely talented and balanced, the uh, Oregon team very athletic on both sides. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's a really difficult situation when you are in the midst of a four-game losing streak.
0: What's the health of this team going into Saturday? Well,
1: they have been really looking pretty good in that category until uh, they had a couple of injuries in the last two weeks. Um, their biggest challenge right now is their defensive line because they lost the starter at end, George Lee, for the rest of the season with the torn ACL. And then they have one of their top backups along the defensive line, a versatile player, Shannon Foreman, who can play nose or end, has back issues and hasn't practiced this week. And it looks like they're going to be playing a lot more of uh Royal Wilkins as a starter. He's primarily been a backup at end, but he's a pretty good player, so I don't think there's going to be too much drop-off there. But when you go beyond that, they're going to have to probably play freshmen more. Uh, a redshirt freshman, Michael Matus, hasn't really played other than some pass rushdowns. And he might see some more action. And then there's two true freshmen, Amiri Johnson and Stephon Wright, who... Uh, they've been slowly incorporated and they've played four and three games respectively, but I, I think they could uh be elevated into larger roles. So that, that's something to watch. Uh, they didn't have one of their top safeties or retro freshman Cam Phillips with a concussion last week, and that necessitated their moving Kobe Williams from corner to, to safety, which was a problem uh, because of what, what, uh, it caused for them which problematic wise on, uh, on the perimeter against the Beavers, but it looks like Cam Phelps is going to play this week, which means Kobe Williams can play more corner. That should help them to a large degree. Uh, on offense, they're actually very healthy. Uh, don't think there's any, any things there that should be problematic other than Joey Yellen, their backup quarterback may not be able to play.
0: Uh, what's going to be, if you like, the, the deciding factors? For ASC to get a win, and what are the things they can't allow Oregon to do to, to get that win?
1: Well, there's a few things I would say, just uh, avoiding the slow start, and and uh, you know the, the, probably the biggest thing they have to do as as a part of that would be not to not to allow Oregon to start gashing them in the run game early on, uh, because you get into some of the twelve personnel stuff that Oregon does, and then you start with some of the play actions. And I, from a confidence and capability standpoint, I don't really see ASU being able to hold up if that's the case. So they're going to have to they're going to have to do pretty well against the run early. Uh, I also think that if they can get uh, some balance with their offense early with Eno Benjamin and um, and and not having any penalties, procedural uh, or dumb mistakes, fifteen yard variety type stuff, I think that's a way for them to have some. Uh, early confidence in this game that can, uh, carry them forward in, in, uh, for its duration. That, and that's, that's a tough ask, especially the way they've played in recent weeks. But, uh, I do think that they have a chance. Um, I think they're capable of actually putting together a better performance than they have. But it, it's also at the same time, not necessarily something that I would anticipate happening this week of all weeks.
0: Well, Chris. Really appreciate your time coming on the show and uh, we'll, we'll find you down in the press box at uh, Sun Devil Stadium. Sounds good, man. Looking forward to catching up.